is freedom? How do, does the Holy Spirit give it to us? And how do we live in the freedom that the Spirit gives? So in 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Or the blindfold is removed. The person sees. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into one, into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Spirit, who is the Lord. So we're going to unpack that. We've probably sung those songs, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this morning we're going to understand how that freedom happens. It's interesting that many of us, when we think about freedom, we often think about uh, freedom in terms of our circumstances. I'm going to read you a quote from a book by Russell Brand, who kind of very helpfully describes how often we think of freedom. He says this, Thank God I've not yet been to prison. But when I think about the levels or categorization from the worst to the least order, or, awful, I ponder freedom in general. So he talks about different types of freedom. He says the worst or the place where we lack the most freedom is being locked alone in a solitary cell in a category A maximum security prison. To the less awful, with increasing tidbits of liberty through category B prisons and category C prisons, with privileges like kitchen job or library job, if the Shawshank redemption is to be believed, he said, which is quite funny, down to open prison, where inmates can cycle into town for a few hours. How much further along this scale of freedom is the life of a man or woman in a drab flat, imprisoned by drug addiction, surviving on benefits, or anyone trapped in a job they hate, or a kid at school, at a school they would rather swerve, all living with twisted and anxious guts, or my life, or your life. I'm not saying that it's worse to have a job in London that you hate than to be a jolly sea category prison skipping off to the workshop, twirling a spanner. I'm saying that we are all in prisons of varying categories. So, so he's describing there a kind of freedom that's a circumstantial freedom. And there's an idea if I was in the ideal job, doing the thing I love, I would be free. But he even describes himself that it wasn't that free being told to get on a first class jet and the door gets slammed going to, a, to do a gig that maybe he didn't really want to go to, to a first class hotel where he was locked in a room and then shuttled off to the, do the gig. Was that really freedom? So Jesus, when Jesus describes freedom, he says this. He says you will know, or another word, it, for that know that Jesus uses there, experience truth, and the truth that is experienced will set you free. And another way of saying truth, truth is reality. When we see reality, we see freedom. See, most of life, actually, 
often is an attempt to distract ourselves from reality. We don't want to see reality. So often we busy ourselves with lots and lots of activities so that we don't have to face truth. Or we can numb ourselves so that we don't have to face truth. But in these verses we find that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into reality. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into freedom. That when we see things as they really are, we meet God and we come into freedom. So the first thing we see that the Holy Spirit does in these verses is this. He lets us see reality so that we can be set free. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil or the blindfold is removed and we can see God. So the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates what we could say is like a point of arrest. I don't know, if you're a Christian here this morning and you've come to know Jesus, there was a moment that the Holy Spirit initiated a, po a point of arrest, a point of revelation, or a point of awakening. I don't know, you might have known Christians in the past and you laughed at them for their funny, crazy ideas and what they said was true. And then there was a moment, whether you were reading the Bible or a friend spoke to you or you came to church or you were just on your own and suddenly God met you, the blindfold got removed and you could see God. The Spirit of God allows us to see reality. We thought before that life was just, you get 80, 85 years if you're lucky, you do a job, you make some money, you pass some stuff just over to your kids, all good stuff, and then the Spirit wakens you, and in that prayer Rob was praying, wow, eternity, we're, we're, we're new creations, we are going to be with God forever and never die. The Spirit makes us aware, that's what Paul is saying in these verses, that the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes, and the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to no longer be walking around in the dark, thinking that life is just, you know, 80 years on this planet and then it's over. He opens our eyes to the spiritual reality there is God. And that's an incredible, incredible moment. So what I want to say first then is this. We can't experience reality and truth without a work of the Holy Spirit. That it's the Spirit who leads us into all truth and into all reality. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we're literally blind and we can't see. So the Holy Spirit, we can see in these verses, gives us the freedom to behold. The Holy Spirit gives us light to see. The Holy Spirit gives us a brand new perception of reality. The Holy Spirit gives us brand new lenses to see the world through. The Holy Spirit awakens us to God who can be experienced. 
He opens our eyes to the reality that Christianity isn't just a cold set of rules of do's and don'ts, but is actually an experiential reality of knowing God himself. And then he says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So he opens our eyes to the reality of God, that there is a God in the universe, there is a creator, there is one who's kind and good and behind everything. There is a wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He wakens our eyes and then he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In other words, in this relationship with God, there's nothing to constrict me. There's nothing to restrict me. I'm free to engage with God all the time. Any time, any place, any circumstance, anywhere. It's not saying that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, is just the thing that's happening in a church context. Yes, it does happen in a church context where we're meeting, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, if you're a Christian, where's the Spirit of the Lord now? He's in you. You've been born again by a work of the Spirit. God's in you, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That means we have un hindered access to the enjoyment of God. I can enjoy connection. I can enjoy relationship. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm going to set captives free and I'm going to release prisoners. Captives are people that things have been done to them, been hurt, maybe got captive to bitterness or unforgiveness. Stuff happened to them. I'm setting those free, the captive. I'm also setting the prisoner free, the one who got themselves in a mess because of their own choices. I'm setting them free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the captives get released. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, the prisoner gets released. Okay? So you can find yourself imprisoned because bad things happen, or a captive because bad things happen to you, and you're a captive to bitterness and unforgiveness. And you might feel, actually, I've got rage, I've got anger. Spirit of the Lord can set you free from those things. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You might find yourself, I'm actually a prisoner of. I can't get through the week without alcohol. I can't get through the week without watching certain things. I can't get through the week without spending more than I've got. I can't. I'm a prisoner. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, prisoners get set free. Amen. Okay? So... How does that happen? How does that in particular happen? So we can see the Spirit of the Lord, he takes off the blindfold so we can see that God exists. But he also, we find in these verses, he transforms us from glory to glory to glory, from brightness to brightness to brightness. He beautifies us from one degree to another degree to another degree. How does the Spirit do that? And it says... We all, with unveiled face, in other words, the blindfold is off, we're face to face with God. In the context, this is about, Mo remember Moses, God spoke to Moses as a friend talks to a friend. And Moses would literally glow because he'd been with God. And Paul is saying, that was an old deal, this is the new deal, every believer can be face to face with God. 
We all can be friends with God. So with an unveiled face, we behold the glory of God. Glory in the Bible means the weight, the heaviness, the wonder of who God is are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, we see reality, which is a work of the Spirit, but it's not just we see reality, we love reality. In other words, we see God and we fall in love with God as a work of the Spirit. Because it wouldn't just be enough for me to wake up and know that God exists and not love what I see. I could be born again by the Spirit, eyes open, blindfold off, say, yes, there's a God in the universe, but then walk away apathetic and unchanged. The same Spirit who lets you see the reality that Jesus is Lord makes you desire the one that you see. So as we see him, we love him, and he creates a longing in us for us to be like him. That's what those verses are saying. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with blindfolds off, see God. We behold the glory of the Lord and are transformed into the same image, that's God, from one degree of glory to another. Can you see that all of Christianity is delight and enjoyment of God? From the first moment I get to see him and love him, to all transformation from glory to glory to glory. We see reality, God is good. We see reality, he's kind. We see reality, he's beautiful. We see reality that is holy. We see reality that is loving. We see reality that is joyful and kind and patient. We see reality and he creates a desire in us to be like the one that he is, but not through gritted teeth and effort, but from simply beholding and enjoying. We, if you're a Christian, you're not just a person with better rules than other people. It's not just that you've got a superior moralistic set of principles by which you live. The Spirit makes people into glorious new human beings. In, you have the DNA of God in you. When you see God, you want to be like God because you've been made a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in Christ who, gave, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is, this is a definition of biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is this, to do exactly what you want without any regret, pain or negative consequences, without any loss of peace of mind and with full autonomy. That's biblical freedom. In other words, I see him. I want him. 
I love him. I want to be like God in the world. I want to think like him, act like him. You're all thinking of Jungle Book now, aren't you, maybe? <laughs> that, that, that desire, I've seen him, I behold him. I want to love like he loves. I want to be like he is. I want to be joyful like he's joyful. I want the oil of joy like Jesus had. It's all through meeting him through the work of the Spirit. Okay, so we all know, if we're honest, that the moment we come to Jesus, all our attitudes and behaviour and priorities and actions and thoughts don't all just become transformed overnight. Paul is very clear we go from glory to glory. In other words, we don't start off as dirty and go from less dirty, less dirty, less dirty. God's assessment of you is your glorious. You can say of yourself, I am glorious. I am glorious. I'm bright in his eyes. I'm glorious. That's who you are. That's your identity. But you go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so the Spirit gives us what I would call a mini arrest. The big arrest is Jesus is Lord. I'm coming to God. I'm, having, I'm starting a relationship with him. But also as we're going along, as he's transforming us from glory to glory, sometimes we hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, that rejection stuff, I don't want you to, I don't want you to walk around with that wound of rejection because I, want, I don't want any obstacles to the glory that's in you going on display to the world. I, I want to remove that anger or I want to remove that way that you numb your pain or I don't want you to live just distracted in a particular area. I want to transform it. Now, what do you do when the Holy Spirit touches an area? He might say, hey, you're very independent and prideful. What do you do when he convicts, convinces and arrests you? Do you go off on your own and transform it and try and change it? Now, this, this verse says, when you see an area of need of transformation in attitude, action, a behaviour, an observable thing, you have somewhere to go. And where do you go? To meet with God the Holy Spirit. Every moment of arrest is an invitation afresh to a spiritual meeting. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where do I go? I go to be with the one who transforms me. I go to be with the one who liberates me. I go to be with the one who's taking me from one degree of glory to another. I go to be with the one who's my helper and I go to be with the one who's my healer. I go to be with the one who has power more than I have because I need a fresh experience of freedom in a particular area. I don't go to condemnation where I beat myself up. I don't go into shame. I don't go into hard, heavy labor. I don't go into gritted teeth. I don't go into behavior modification. I'm going to change myself. I go to the Spirit because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul is saying, when I see him, I behold him. And in seeing him and behold him, 
worshipping him and walking with him, I'm actually being transformed. So the believer has optimistic hope of our lives gradually becoming brighter and brighter and more expressively beautiful. That's the journey of the believer. You start off on day one, beautiful, amazing, glorious, loved, bright, righteous. Then the rest of your journey with Jesus is brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter, glorious and more glorious and more glorious, less and less things hindering the glory shining out and the obstacles that block the glory shining out. You go from glory to glory as you walk with the Spirit. And that's what we found when you look at fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a product, growing His nature growing in our life through relationship and walking by the Spirit. And so, because nothing can stop us seeing the Spirit, who is God, and be transformed, we can be accessing the power of God all the time. So beholding, enjoying, delighting results in surrender and obedience. So just to summarise, freedom is something that comes from the Spirit. First, he awakens us and takes the blindfold off so that we can behold and see God. He causes us through the new birth to love what we see and to desire what we see. And as we enjoy him and hang out with him and enjoy being loved by him, knowing that nothing can restrict or constrict my access to him, we go from glory to glory to glory, we are transformed. So I'm going to do two things. Let's, let's spend some time with Holy Spirit and let's just recognise our utter wonderful dependence on him for everything and understand that the burden is easy and the yoke is light because it's all ultimately his work. Ask you, Holy Spirit, for a revelation of the truth of those verses that says we go from glory to glory, not from dirty to less dirty to less dirty to less dirty, but we're glorious in your sight. I pray that each of us would see ourselves as bright beings without any stain or blemish or corruption in your eyes. I pray for optimistic hope that we can access God whenever and all the time. I pray that each, throughout the work there'll be an enjoy, throughout the week there'll be an enjoyment of God. That when, even when we're in jobs that we might not like, in circumstances we're not enjoying, that we'd have this inner world of where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That I am free. I heard about a person who was living in a refugee camp and the only thing they had in the whole world was this tent that they were sharing with lots and lots and lots of other people. 
They didn't have much power, much autonomy, really very much freedom at all. But they decided that with God, I guess, they would cause their tent to be the most hopeful tent, to be the most joyful tent, to be the most optimistic tent, to be the most forgiving tent, to be the most loving. And they decided that that inner world was going to affect even this limited scope and this little limited scale. And I pray that for each of us, that the glory that's in us would shine out in Jesus' name.